Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America. Happy Christmas Eve and an early blessing. Wish for a Merry Christmas for you, your family, your friends, all that you associate with this in this great holiday season. I ask that God bless you in this great country as he always has. Uh, This is such a blessed time. Spend it, cherish it, enjoy your family. Listen, we got a great show for you today, something special. Earlier in the week, I had a TV special on Real America's Voice called The Perfect Storm. And it steps back and takes a look at the energy crisis. Yes, because we do have an energy crisis, one that didn't exist one year ago today, but does exist today, irrefutably. No matter what side of the political aisle you're on, listen, when you go to the pump, you know it's up. When you go to the food store, you know prices are up. How did we get there? What do we need to do differently? And what are the long-term consequences to having shrunk domestic energy supply, made America more reliant on foreign supplies after we had achieved energy independence under President Trump? And how does rising cost of fuel affect more than when you go to the gas pump or when you fill up your home heating tank? The answer is food, costs, shipping, supplies, even death supplies. There's a shortage of canned goods for animals, all related to this, because energy and petro supplies are more than just energy. They're in fertilizer, they're in plastics. They affect every aspect of the supply chain. And we're not talking about that. People are not having that conversation in the mainstream media. I was blessed to have the conversation. With who? Well, we got some great guests. Peter Navarro, former manufacturing chief policy advisor to President Trump, former Interior Secretary David Bernhardt, the Montana Attorney General, great guy, going to talk about the agricultural consequences of this energy supply. A really great slate of guests, Ron Johnson, the great senator from Wisconsin, a businessman himself who knows how businesses get harmed and how they pass those costs on to the consumer when you have an energy crisis, when you have rising energy prices, inflation, and supply shortages that are self-imposed by things like, you know, Canceling pipelines. We talked yesterday to Tudor Dixon about Enbridge. We know about TransCanada Pipeline. What a year it's been. So we're going to dig in. 
please enjoy this incredible special. I really enjoyed doing it. It's one of the fun things I get to do on Real America's Voice. If you haven't checked them out, go check them out. They're a tremendous TV organization. We're the official news organization for them, news site for them. I'll have a TV show coming out there in January nightly, in addition to this fun podcast that I get to do this conversation you allow me to have with you every day. So enjoy the special and please, please, please have a Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. God bless you. Enjoy. Good evening, America, and welcome to tonight's Just the News Real America Voice special report, The Perfect Storm, America's Energy Crisis. I'm your host, John Solomon, the Editor-in-Chief of Just the News. I want to start off by giving a special thanks to our partners and sponsors tonight, Panex Oil & Gas. They've made tonight's conversation possible so we can bring you more awareness about what's going on in the energy crisis in America, where it started, and how we might fix it. Now, we're going to have a lot of conversations tonight, but one of the things I hope you take away from is that the price that you pay at the gas pump isn't the only place where you feel this energy crisis. Everything from the food you eat to the products you buy at the department store, even your Christmas gifts, are affected by the energy crisis. Why? Because it affects the supply chain. It, expects, it affects trunking companies. It affects agricultural interests at every step of the food chain process. We want to bring you inside that discussion how this is going to affect you in real America. Uh, it is an important conversation, and we have some great guests to really bring us to where we need to be. We're going to start off with somebody you've probably seen before on this very great network, Real America's Voice. Joining us right now is Peter Navarro, former assistant to President Trump and former director of trade and manufacturing policy inside the White House. Peter, thank you for joining us tonight. Great to see you, John. L listen, we... When you turned over the keys to the White House on January 20th, the, our country was in the midst of an energy boom. We had energy independence. We were a net exporter. In 10 months, all that's gone away. Gas prices are up, home heating's up, and we're now back reliant on OPEC and uh, foreign powers to get some of our energy. How did that happen? And in your mind, is there any chance for Republicans to reverse that before Joe Biden leaves office? John, one of the uh, the key features of the Trump growth strategy dating back to the 2016 campaign, which I was a part of, was strategic energy dominance and oil import dependence. And we were able to achieve that goal through a combination of things. One is we, we went really hard on liberating uh, some of the pipelines that were, were having trouble. Uh, one of the first things I did, and I, I think a record will never be broken, I was able to write an executive order in 20 minutes <laughs> that helped get uh, the domestic use of uh, a, a steel for the Keystone Pipeline, right? So, you know, we moved in Trump time, which is to say as fast as possible on that. Uh, we, were, we were helping the, the fracking going in places like Pennsylvania and Ohio, um, and that that oil and natural gas industry was really humming. We hit energy independence. Nobody thought we could do it. Um, right now, the joke at the uh, the football tailgate parties is that they're eating caviar in, instead of hot dogs because it's too expensive to grill the hot dogs with propane. Right. <laughs> so it's like 
Well, you know, let them eat caviar. That's the Biden administration saying. Yeah. These are, uh, John, the, the tragedy here, it's, it's not just that we're be- becoming, once again, dependent on foreign oil. It's that in the pandemic, consumption is actually significantly down. I mean, we're, we're using like 2 million barrels of oil a day less than we were prior to the pandemic, yet we can't satisfy that need. And the reason is 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 uh, a dramatic policy-induced reduction in production, and people in the oil patch simply aren't getting the appropriate investment and production signals in order for them to do what we need to do as a country. If you look at uh, the other thing that Biden did, which was policy-induced, is like he he wrote an executive order that banned. Uh, oil leasing on federal lands. Now, he knew that was illegal, John. This is his MO. He does stuff that he knows is illegal. It buys him time because it's got to go through the courts. He loses in the court, and then it goes back, and they start leasing again, but they do it in a way which is disingenuous, which is to say that they set the prices in terms so unfavorably that oil companies really aren't going to want to want to purchase the leases. So if you're wondering why your gasoline costs more at the pump or your propane costs more uh, by, by, the, by the cylinder or tank, um, your heating oil this winter costs more, um, it's Joe Biden. And uh, if you ask me uh, if there's anything Republicans do, can do before uh, uh, we get a Republican back in the White House? Probably not. I mean, this yeah. is these elections have consequences. Stolen elections have catastrophic consequences. Yeah, the uh, there are both a domestic and a geopolitical downstream from this policy that the Biden's have, Biden administration has pursued. I want to start with domestically. Obviously, gas prices up. That's the obvious thing that people feel. But if this condition continues, those oil patch jobs down in the Gulf they're going to disappear, right? Yeah, the problem um, with uh, fracking in particular, uh, as opposed to to, uh, just the traditional oil wells, is that those jobs go away much quicker. The the idea that you can switch on, switch off is is wrong. When when Trump was in office, Saudi Arabia made a run at the frackers here uh, by dramatically increasing their production and cutting prices in a way which was designed. Um, to put the frackers out of business. Now, here we have Biden um, trying to do the same thing for other reasons. But, you know, it's it's sad, ironic, and dangerous to national security that as soon as Biden puts our, our oil patch out of business, what does he do? He goes running to the Saudis, the Russians, and the Chinese for help. I mean, the last time I looked, there's no, like, cone or cylinder that goes up from Saudi Arabia with carbon emissions. It's like, you know, okay, yeah. Joe, if you, you don't be a hypocrite um, about all this. And, and he, here's the thing, um, this energy independence, it's, it's about jobs. There's no question about that. Uh, but it's also about national security. And to right. the extent that we once again become uh, dependent on foreign oil, um, we're, we're, we, uh, all, of, all of the things that, that drove us in the seventies and eighties and got us into wars in the middle East because it's worried about security supply, they all come back. So this is, again, this is a Biden politician induced, 
um, disaster. And, you know, we are the Saudi Arabia natural gas. We should right. not be having any of these problems. Yeah, such a great point. You know, you're one of the biggest geopolitical thinkers I've, I've talked with. And, and you saw China's threat coming 15 years before most anyone else. Uh, right now, beyond the, the market conditions that it creates and the reliance, uh, does it embolden people like Russia to take a move at Ukraine? Uh, China uh, oil is at an all-time high in terms of production. Uh, what are we doing to two of, our, two of our enemies? And we've got about a minute and a half left. just want to have you kind of uh, handicap where we are in that geopolitical struggle. Well, if, if, if when when Trump came into office, most of his critics said, nah, he doesn't know anything about foreign policy. He's going to screw that up. In fact, what we got was North Korea grounding their missiles, stopping their nuclear testing, peace with Iran, cracking down on China, Russia relatively quiet on the Western front and Eastern front and everywhere in between. Right. Uh, peace through strength. <clears throat> what we have now is is a potential war through weakness and everything that Joe Biden is signaling um, runs us closer to a war that could happen just spinning out of control, like in a World War One scenario where a, like a random shooting in, in uh, wherever it was, a Yugoslavia or something, right. it, it, it triggered World War One. Um, once you unleash that genie, it, it could be a, you know, a fishing trawler getting hit by a U.S. carrier in the South China Sea or a rogue tank commander going across uh, the Ukraine border uh, on behalf of the Russians, things can spin out of control yeah. in these kind of circumstances. Yeah, That's absolutely. where we are now. It's all weakness on Joe Biden. Yeah. Peter, thank you so much for your time. We're going to uh, follow this closely and really appreciate your insights. Sure, John. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, the former Interior Secretary, David Bernhardt, will be joining us to discuss why being energy independent is vital to U.S. economic and homeland security interests. All right, we'll be right back. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, 
Thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Oil is everywhere. Over 6,000 products are made from oil. Demand for oil is outpacing supply with no end in sight, and it is still a great tax shelter. Talk to your tax advisor to see how much you could save on taxes this year. There's still time. To learn more about investing in oil, go to Panex.us. Download our free Investing in Oil 101 guide. The time has never been better for you to benefit from being on the supply side. Get Investing in Oil 101 at Panex.us. Get it now. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. America is blessed with a vast fountain of natural resources, a supply so rich that we have the ability to be energy independent for decades to come. But throughout most of our recent history, the U.S. has not achieved energy independence. The rare exception was on former President Donald Trump's watch when the fracking and drilling revolutions helped America become energy independent and a net exporter of energy. Our next guest, former U.S. Interior Secretary David Bernhardt, played a major role in that achievement, overseeing the country's public lands and the oil and gas extraction that occurs on them. Secretary Bernhardt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. Uh, it's an honor to have you on. Uh, we entered 2021. When Donald Trump turned the keys over to Joe Biden, we, we were energy independent as a country, uh, and we had low gas prices. And now we're closing this year, being energy dependent on OPEC again, and gas prices are much, much higher. How did that happen? And what economic and security advantages did our country lose when we fell back on reliance on OPEC and other foreign actors? Well, that's a wonderful question. The first point is it was pretty simple. This administration from day one um, began an aggressive uh, effort to uh, threaten uh, the current production of energy resources and harm the future production of those resources. On day one, the president stopped the Keystone Pipeline. He issued an illegal order to stop um, all uh, leasing activity on federal lands and sent a sa sound message to um, the American people and to the energy um, producers that he was not interested in American production, particularly on uh, federal lands. And as a result of that, um, we've had a situation where he has ended up actually begging OPEC um, and OPEC Plus to move forward with their own production. 
And that is phenomenal. It's something that uh, the president had freed himself from, President Trump had freed us from. And so we're right back now depending on the Middle East uh, for the supply of energy, which harms our economic security and our national security. Yeah, that is true. It's a double whammy when we, when we take it all into account. Now, uh, you, because you oversaw the public lands, you, you know the potential energy resources sitting below those uh, lands. Uh, what uh, has the Biden administration done to change access to them over the last few months? Well, it's very clear. Um, and, and in fairness to them, to just a few days ago, um, the Secretary of Energy announced um, at the National Petroleum Council, she announced, number one, we're not for uh, banning uh, exports of U.S. produced oil, which is something they were considering. And then she said to the energy industry, please drill. And the reason she said, uh, please uh, drill, is because they are now panicked by the problems that they caused in their future, first few months. So um, they are beginning to say, we really want to stimulate uh, current uh, energy production. They're saying this after they put the brakes on it. So in fairness to them, they have realized that they have a real problem and they're uh, saying uh, proceed forward. Now they're also saying the future is not bright for energy, um, that they want to move to a, um, a future that is fossil fuel free, but they know that that transition is going to be uh, take a while. So they've basically come up just yesterday with essentially a quid pro quo of, we're not going to um, stop uh, the export of energy, but we, um, we, we want you to uh, develop more. It's really a remarkable turnaround um, in their rhetoric. And it's driven by the fact that the American people saw their policies in action and they were saying, what in the heck is going on here? Yeah, such a good point. And one of the problems is once you slow something down like drilling and companies start to make hiring and uh, investment decisions, uh, it, you can't just turn that spigot on right away, right? It's months or even years to catch back up once there's been a major slowdown. Has that process begun? Are the, are the frontline energy extractors kind of been in a holding pattern for so long that it's going to take them a while to get back to, to the, the business of where they were under the Trump administration? Well, the reality is that many companies today make their investment decisions looking at the world overall. And so a number of things come into play. Um, the receptivity of the uh, administration to move forward with uh, permitting projects, um, the, um, the certainty um, that that uh, project will have a good future going forward, the rate of return uh, compared to other um, prospective opportunities. And right now, this administration is really running a, an initiative to enhance, increase uh, the prices of and costs of development on both federal and private lands for these energy sources. And that will have an effect on where people decide uh, to develop their, their resources. Yeah, such an important point. In fact, uh, you're referencing that Interior Department report that basically said it, it came with just a couple of days after the Biden administration said, we want to lower prices. We're going to release some oil out of the strategic reserves. Prices didn't really move much. But right after that, they came back and said, well, we're going to increase the price uh, of oil and gas drilling on federal lands. Uh, how does that affect those private family owned companies that are really on the front lines prospecting for America's next energy sources? 
Well, it has a tremendous impact on the smaller uh, energy entities that are developing homegrown energy in uh, states like New Mexico and uh, Arizona, New Mexico and Colorado, right. um, and and throughout the Permian, to be uh, completely fair. And the, the, your example of on one hand, on a Thursday or a Wednesday, they announce a strategic petroleum reserve. And then on a Friday, they announce we're increasing um, the costs of energy development is just a perfect vignette of the inconsistencies um, running throughout their policies. And really, at the end of the day, when you look at them all together, they're hostile to traditional sources of energy. And one thing you can say about um, the president I worked for, he was consistent on, on policy. I mean, at the end of the day, he wanted um, us to develop these uh, natural resources uh, for the economic and national security benefit of the uh, American people. He wanted to be less uh, dependent on um, for sources of these resources that are from unstable and hostile areas. And he um, was consistent in that. And um, that allowed us as, as administrators of a policy to move forward promptly. What you have going on here is, is really hostility um, with um, uh, a sign up every once in a while that says, hey, we really don't mean it as soon as uh, the politics of it get too hot. And the politics of it get too hot every time the price of oil um, starts inching up too high and the price of gasoline at the pump starts inching up too high because that's taking money that would otherwise go for food or families and put it in the pockets of the the um, gas tank. And that, and that um, tends to have a repercussion in politics and they're worried about it. Yeah, such a such a good point. Pocket uh, pocketbook politics is so powerful. There's no doubt about it. Um, many in the green movement and you know, a lot of in the mainstream media, my profession, have made energy and climate a binary choice. You either end petroleum products or our earth goes kaput. Uh, that's one of their arguments. But there's a very different approach to achieving clean water and air and returning to energy independence. They're not mutually exclusive. Describe what you, we've got about a minute and a half left. Describe what you and the, uh, President Trump and, and those at America First Policy Institute have come up with to achieve both things, to get clean water, clean air, clean land, but also keep America energy independent. Well, when you look um, at the nation, um, what you see is that during uh, President Trump's tenure, our air quality actually improved. If you look at our tenure between um, uh, the time the president was in in 2017 and through um, the end of his term, things were, were, were very good. Um, we actually met the targets um, that other agencies um, have failed to meet uh, in, in, in international agreements, even though the president was outside of those agreements. And so the, the, for the, the humanity itself, um, really the most crucial environmental concern is clean and healthy drinking water. Right. And uh, the president made a big investment in that. Um, uh, the EPA administrator worked on that a lot. And in the United States, we're in pretty good shape um, comparatively. When you look back historically, we are, we, are, we are leaders. What we often forget is that the American uh, governance system has really led on issues of 
land conservation, um, uh, enhanced regulations for health and safety, cleaner water and cleaner air. And when you when you take a minute and step back and think about the progress that we've made uh, since the in 50 years, really since the 19 early 70s, when these issues uh, came to the forefront, right. America has made dramatic improvements. And here's the amazing thing: technology and innovation continues to drive for cleaner, um, more more efficient, more productive um, items. And what my belief is personally, that as long as a technology uh, is safe and can compete without uh, unnecessary subsidies, yep. we as Americans should be all for it. Uh, because at the end of the day, what we will see over time is uh, the, the mode of transportation that our grandkids use is very likely to be different than what we use today. And, um, and that's true. great. That's great for humanity and that's great for the environment. Yep, an all-of-the-above approach, which is what, exactly what you guys argued for during, when you were in office. Mr. Secretary, thank you so much for your time and helping us make, uh, make these things understandable. Sometimes they're complex when we read, but they're a lot more understandable after talking to you. Thank you so much. Great to visit with you. Happy New Year. You as well, sir. Thank you. All right, stick around, folks. We'll be right back with another great conversation on Energy in America. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, AMAC.us slash Just News to become a four-year member for just 
$30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free social security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. Welcome back to the show. One of the biggest components in the Biden administration's Build Back Better spending bill is a historic $550 billion climate change initiative borrowed in large part from the Democrats' Green New Deal. While popular among liberals, this part of the package has raised deep concerns from the top levels of the energy industry to senators like Joe Manchin and our next guest. Joining us now is Senator Ron Johnson from the great state of Wisconsin. Senator Johnson, thank you for joining us today. Hello, John. Hope you're doing well. I am. Good to have you on the show. Washington is famous for having a short memory, especially when it comes to big spending. A, a decade before this current bill, the Obama-Biden administration unleashed tens of billions of dollars of earlier green spending. Could you remind our uh, viewers what happened with that money? Was that a success story? Not at all. You had things like uh, Solyndra wasted hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, you know, I think of the total, uh, something like $800 billion uh, stimulus package that was supposed to fund all these shovel-ready projects, uh, you, you can never really know for sure because government doesn't allow itself to be particularly accountable. Uh, nobody really wants to dig this up. But uh, the most I could determine is, is less than $100 billion of that $800 billion stimulus uh, meant to pay for shovel-ready projects actually went to what anything, you know, anybody we would consider uh, or would consider as a basic infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it just gets gets wasted on big government programs, uh, new entitlement programs, uh, the kinds of boondoggles that uh, cylinders just uh, exhibit one uh, of. And that's what we can expect uh, from anything that they, the Democrats decide to pass uh, in the, the Build Back Better, the Build Back Broke plan. Yeah. You have been a vocal opponent of this new legislation. And, uh, you know, talk a little bit about once you get started with programs like this, you never get rid of them. Even if a new, if there's a change in leadership, they just stay forever. Tell us a little bit about what concerns you most in this in this legislation. Well, you know, first of all, the price tag. And you're right, the, the way the Democrats have structured this thing uh, has been just dishonest accounting. Uh, they've they established new entitlements that, by the way, enable people not to work. Uh, but we'll get back to that. Uh, but they establish these things and say they're going to, you know, just go away after a year. And as Ronald Reagan, uh, to paraphrase him, what he said is the closest thing to eternal on Earth on, on this planet is a government program. And that's that's basically <laughs> correct. And they know that. And so that's why Penn Wharton, uh, Maya McGinnis's group, and now the CBO, when asked to score this honestly, that uh, again, once you create these programs, they'll, they'll be funded for the entire 10-year budget window. Uh, the price tag is somewhere between 4.6 and $5.1 trillion of additional spending. Now, that's offset by a couple trillion dollars of economic crushing tax increases 
Uh, so you en end up adding about $3 trillion uh, to our nation's debt, the mortgaging of our kids' future, even though President Biden, Democrats are still claiming that this won't add a dime to the deficit. So again, this is grossly dishonest. Uh, but in the face of the inflation numbers, 6.8% uh, consumer price inflex, uh, consumer price index uh, increase, uh, that, that's the highest level in 39 years, uh, about 9.7% uh, producer price index, which just tells you that's going to infect uh, CPI numbers in the future. Uh, all these spending programs are, are a double whammy on that inflation number. First of all, it's deficit spending, so it's way too many dollars uh, chasing way too few goods. And then when you're paying people not to work, fewer people are going to be available to, for hire. And right now, uh, the, the two biggest problems businesses face are inflation. Their, their costs are increasing, so they're going to pass those price increases along. But also, they can't hire workers, so they, don't, they can't fill out the shifts. They can't fill the orders. And so the same plan that's fueling inflation with too many dollars is also creating too few goods. You're just exacerbating the problem across the board. And just, just let me say one other thing, because I'm concerned about stagflation. Sure. Yeah, I started my business uh, at the tail end of the Carter malaise. Um, when price increases were expected and they were readily accepted, once Ronald Reagan and, and Paul Volcker broke that, for, for 30 years, it was like pulling teeth to get any price increase through. You had to justify it 16 ways on Sunday. Right. Now, when you talk to businesses, we're back to the Carter area era where price increases are expected and they're becoming and they're very easily accepted. So now you have inflation that is endemic. Uh, wage increases are going to be pushed through because the union is going to demand keeping keeping up with inflation. This is a nasty cycle that uh, the Federal Reserve is, is also complicit in this. It's extremely difficult to break. Uh, if, if Ronald Reagan and Paul Volcker were around, uh, they would be able. To, they would tell you exactly how difficult this is to break. Yeah, we're headed into some treacherous times. No place has the uh, impact of inflation been felt more than in energy. And I, I, when you talk to real people, they scratch their head when they hear this. The Biden administration pulled approval for the Keystone Pipeline in America, then approved a pipeline in Europe for Vladimir Putin. Last month, they released oil from the Strategic Preserve, said we want to make gas prices a little bit lower, and then immediately increased fees for drilling on public lands. A lot of people are confused. What's going on? Uh, do you have? Do we have an energy strategy right now under Joe Biden? We do. It's to increase the cost of energy. I mean, that that is their policy. That they don't like fossil fuel. They don't want America to drill for it. So when gas prices are are high and cause political pain to them, they go begging the Saudis to drill to make up the deficit yeah. in in terms of American production. You know, it has been the stated goal, bipartisan goal of American energy policy since the Carter malaise, since the uh, you know, oil embargo uh, and, and the oil cartels, uh, OPEC, to become energy independent. We became energy independent. And the first thing that Joe Biden did was to destroy that independence. Uh, so, no, this this is their policy. Th this is the exact result they want. They can't be honest about that. But they're getting exactly what they want, higher energy prices, higher gasoline prices. And again, when, when you increase the cost of energy, you are increasing the cost of every good, whether it's you know plastics that are based on, on, on oil or, or gas or, or uh, you know, any kind of carbon fuel right. or, or just transporting any, any other good. It yeah. just all leads to higher prices. But this is exactly what they want. 
They're just not going to be honest about it, nor is the media going to be honest about it. Yeah, that's for sure. National security, how big a threat long term is uh, our return to reliance on foreign energy going to be for this country? Well, it, it, it is adding to the risk. I'd say our biggest risk is the fact that no matter what Biden is doing, it is weakening America. You open the borders, we have a flood of illegal Im immigrants, uh, the embarrassing and, dis and dangerous surrender in Afghanistan, you know, the deficit spending, the increasing debt, all of these measures weaken America and our adversaries are noticing it. You, know, you add to that uh, just the, the capitulation on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline uh, playing right into Vladimir Putin's hands. So it emboldens our enemies who become more and more aggressive and that makes the world a more dangerous place. So again, these are all the, the result of Democrat and Biden policies. This didn't just happen. Inflation no, didn't just no. happen. You know, the, the, the weakening of America didn't just happen. This is a result of their policies. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, we got a little bit over a minute and a half left. I just want to ask you, uh, you've been a businessman and you'll talk about regulatory uncertainty, how important it is to have some consistency in Washington. We've been zigging and zagging on Washington energy policy for the last two decades. If you're one of those companies that's in the energy industry and you, you know, they employ tens of thousands of Americans every day, what is happening? What are they doing as they see these big changes that Joe Biden is uh, uh, foisting on America? They're, they're, they're not acting. They're holding on to their cash. Uh, I think the greatest achievement of President Trump is he stopped adding to the regulatory burden, actually reduced it, which allowed entrepreneurs, business owners to concentrate on producing better products, better services at a more efficient price. That, that, that's what businesses do unless they're having to look over their shoulder or spend all their time trying to comply with unreasonable government regulations. So I, I can't emphasize enough how harmful overregulation is to, to businesses and to our economic activity. It, it's just, it, it just is so destructive. But again, that is what Democrat policies, uh, th th they think they're smarter than everybody else so they can uh, actually control a command economy. They can't, they're not that smart. Uh, they're, they're, their policies are destructive. They do way more harm than good. Uh, real quickly, California, $7 gas, uh, millions of uh, residents fleeing the state. Uh, brownouts, California is the model that liberals hold up. Is America heading towards a California? Well, let, let's hope not, which is why I continue to tell people, you, you have to open up your eyes, you have to see what's happening. You, you can't believe hardly anything you hear in the mainstream media and the social media. Yeah, you have to use your own common sense and realize that if, if gasoline really is $7 a gallon, that's $140 for a 20, 20 gallon tank fill up. I mean, that is shocking. Wisconsin, we're you know, about $350 a gallon. Yeah. Uh, so that's $70 filling up your pickup truck. Uh, Americans, Wisconsinites are noticing that. They must, and we need to sweep, and I mean sweep, Democrats from power at the local, state, and federal level in 2022. Yeah, that is a big strategy for the Republican. Senator Johnson, thank you so much for your time today. Stay well. All right, folks, stick around. We'll be right back with more great conversation about energy policy in America. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. 
Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As we've been discussing, the energy crisis that gripped America in 2021 doesn't stop at the gas pump or the home heating furnace. It can extend all the way to your dinner table. Why? Because the food uh, supply chain depends on energy and petroleum for the plastics that foods are put in, to the fertilizer that is spread on the ground, to, of course, all of the people who move and uh, move food around the country. Uh, we know that this is going to carry into 2022. We've been warned now through the economic advisors that this is not a temporary thing. It's going to be over a long time. Somebody who knows a lot about this is the Attorney General from the great state of Montana. He's joining me right now, Attorney General Austin Knudsen. Attorney General, good to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, John. Thank you so much. You, you come from an agriculture background in you're now the attorney general for one of the great agriculture states in America, Montana. Uh, explain how the energy supply chain, the energy uh, price chain affects what we end up getting on our dinner table. Absolutely. Well, I mean, two things that agriculturalists, farmers in America need these days, and that's fuel, number one, and fertilizer. And those two things are tied together. Uh, John, equipment is getting bigger. Acreage is being farmed are getting larger, farmers are having to burn more fuel. Uh, that fuel has not gotten cheaper. It's gotten more expensive. And now with the Biden administration's actions, the price of that farm fuel has gotten even higher. That that affects bottom lines, uh, not just for farmers, but that, that affects the price of the food that hits the grocery stores. We also have to talk about fertilizer. That's one that people don't think about much. Farming practices have really evolved technologically in the last 50 or 60 years. And, and the, the creation of, of fertilizer, uh, more bulk fertilizer, is one of the major advancements that's, a, that, that's allowed us to feed more people globally and nationally. And I think what most people don't understand is natural gas is actually one of the main ingredients that we use to make this fertilizer. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's a nitrogen-based fertilizer. That's what plants need to grow, natural nitrogen. And natural, natural gas is a great source of that. So that's one of the main ingredients. Very, we know natural gas prices are going up. They're going up dramatically. Here in Montana, we're told this winter to expect between a 50 and 60% price increase in natural gas. That applies to farmers as well. And that applies to the, to the supply chain in fertilizer. And this is really going to hurt 
Montana agriculture and national agriculture, and that's going to affect the price that you ultimately pay for a loaf of bread at the grocery store. Yeah, such an important point. A lot of people don't understand it, but they're starting to see those price uh, impacts starting to hit you at the supermarket. Um, when President Biden first took office, one of the first things he did is he revoked the permits for the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline, which partly ran through your great state. Uh, you took the lead in suing on uh, that case and trying to uh, challenge what the federal government did. Describe why you did it and where the case stands right now. Yeah, well, I did it because I'm from that portion of, of eastern Montana where that pipeline was set to run. It, it was going to cross the Canadian border, come into the U.S. through eastern Montana. Well, pe people don't understand, this isn't Yellowstone country we're talking about out there. This is very rural, very uh, prairie agriculture country, very sparsely populated. That pipeline was set to run through seven different counties in eastern wow. Montana. Six of them were, were, are already rated as high poverty counties. This pipeline was going to be a huge tax boom just from a state property tax standpoint. $65 million per year in property taxes that that company was going to pay to the state of Montana. But look, let's, let's talk about fuel. That pipeline was going to move over 800,000 barrels a day of Canadian and American oil to American refineries that get refined here in the U.S. and goes to American gas pumps. That means lower prices of gas. I don't know what it looks like where you're at, John, but I know here in Montana, we're looking at a 50% increase in the price wow. of a gallon of gasoline from a year ago today. Uh, that, and that's just here in Montana. I know some places in, in, in around the country, it's even higher than that. But I mean, this is simple economics. That pipeline was gonna move a lot more oil to American fuel pumps. And it's important to remember that's that's allied nation oil. Yeah. This isn't oil coming from important OPEC. Point. This, isn't, this isn't oil coming from Venezuela or from Iran or from Russia. This is our neighbors right to the north of us here. Well, you know, our our closest national ally, Canada. Why would we not take advantage of that oil? Because if we don't, it's gonna get sold to China. And and that's where I'm I'm afraid we're headed. Yeah. Um, so you ask where the case is sitting right now. Um, unfortunately, that that company has has walked away from that project completely. They've started pulling pipe out of the <clears> ground. <throat> We're still arguing the case in front of a federal judge. I, I think there are important federal issues here about uh, what the, the breadth of the executive's power is. Right. Uh, but it's certainly made our case difficult. Um, that is. It's well, it was an important early statement as the Biden administration got going now. Back in August, you really dove into the second part of this, which is as we've choked the supply of natural gas, oil in America, you see a White House that's going out there asking OPEC countries, even China recently, to produce more oil. Explain why this is bad, not only for America, but specifically for Montana. Well, it's bad for Montana for the reasons I said. I mean, we're, we're, we're low on jobs to begin with. Uh, this pipeline was going to create over, over 4,000 jobs. But look, we're in a situation right now where the Biden administration has choked down our own domestic oil production and, and natural gas production. And we're now literally asking our enemies, countries that hate us, openly hate us, please, sir, may we have some more. Yeah. Please open your spigots and sell us more of, of your oil. 
this just puts us in a very difficult position just strategically. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm no military genius, but it, it doesn't take a degree from the War College to understand <laughs> that you're funding our enemies yeah. and asking our enemies for a strategic resource that they know we need because we're not producing it here domestically. Uh, this, this just puts us in a very weak place, a very vulnerable place. Look, we don't need those countries. We know we don't need Venezuela. We don't need Iran. We don't even need Russia to produce oil. We have all the oil we need right here domestically in the U.S. We've proven it. At one point, we were the, we were the number one producing country in the world. That's right. We can be that again. But we have to have an administration who recognizes the need for energy and the value of those jobs and the value of that commodity uh, instead of just pandering to their coastal elite friends. When you uh, look at what you've done, you've really been the leading edge of a new era of federalism, states ex exercising their states' rights, pushing back against the long reach of the federal government that Joe Biden has uh, put into place. Uh, where do you think these struggles go in 2022, not only with energy, but in other things like mandates and uh, all the other tax? Uh, they, there was a, earlier this year, they tried to prevent states from lowering taxes. Uh, how is this fight between states' rights and a big Washington government going to continue into 2022? I think it's just going to keep continuing. Uh, I, I don't think these are issues that are going to go away. I think these are probably the most important constitutional issues that our country has faced in a long time. Uh, I, I, I don't think a lot of the powers that the administration in Washington, D.C. are purporting to use now were ever envisioned by our founding fathers. I think they are gross overstepping of, of what those powers were delineate, delineated in our constitution for. Um, so, I mean, where do we end up? I, I think on a lot of these issues, we end up in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. I think they're going to have to step in here and, and truly define just how far does the executive's power go under the constitution and where do the states step in? I mean, like like you said, this this is all about federalism. That's the, the idea here was we have 50 different laboratories trying out different forms of, of laws and, and different forms of government. This this isn't a top-down system that we have from Washington, D.C. So I, I think this, this fight is just going to continue and get bigger. Yeah, it's exactly what our father, the founding fathers envisioned. They, they could 240, 250 years later envision this moment and they created a government that would, would sustain through it. Mr. Attorney General, thank you so much for your time. It's so interesting to learn how those uh, fuel prices are affecting what I'm going to eat on my dinner plate tonight. Thanks for having me, John. It's an honor, sir. Thank you. All right, stick around, folks. We'll be right back with some more conversations about the energy crisis that has gripped this great country of America. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the show. There's so much talk in Washington these days about big oil. In fact, the front lines of the American energy industry really are led by lots of small and mid-sized family companies that extract energy resources from the ground and get it to the oil giants. They are often lost in the conversation about energy policy. So we wanted to end tonight's show with someone intimately involved in that ecosystem, a third generation oil man from Kentucky. Please join me in welcoming RJ Burr, Senior Vice President of Corporate Operations at Panex Panther, exploration. RG, it's an honor to have you on the show tonight. Oh, thank you very much, John. It's a pleasure being here. You've been in the oil business for close to 30 years. Talk to us a little bit about your family's role in the business and how it has changed over the years. Well, John, I, I was one of the few lucky people that uh, I knew what I wanted to do when I was seven years old, when, when wow. my dad took me on location for the first time and I saw them brought it when they brought in a well, I knew what I wanted to do. And, uh, when you look at domestic oil and gas, my family has spent years drilling wells all over the country. And the, the most surprising thing that I've learned is that most average Americans are really unaware of who the true domestic oil and gas industry really is. You know, pr prime example, I'm not, not many people are aware that 83% of all domestic oil and 90% of all domestic gas is produced by roughly 9,000 independent companies that average 12 employees or less. Wow. I mean, these are guys that uh, it, it's really not uh, when you, you know, prime example, if you go out and ask the average person and you, you got in a conversation with them about the American oil industry and then ask them to name one company, chances are they'd go with an Exxon or they'd go with a Chevron, a name that they know. That's right. When in truth, when you're talking about domestic production, you're not talking about the majors, you're talking about your neighbors. The, the people that go to church with you, the people that their kids play ball with your kids. That's who the true domestic energy industry is. Yeah, it gets lost here in Washington almost every day. It's gotta be frustrating if you're on the front lines. Uh, what is going on at the level that your, your company's at, all of those independent oil producers, what has the last year been like for them on the front lines? Well, it's been brutal. Because uh, when you look at it, goes back to the very same thing I just said a minute ago. When, when people look at the chaos and the attacks that the industry is taking, most people look at the majors and say, hey, they're, they're so big they can handle that blow. But the fact of the matter is, they're really not the ones taking the brunt of this attack. That's right. It's the ma and pa operators. It's the, the companies, well, we, we call it, we came up with a term, we call it chasing oil. And, and typically, most independent companies start out with a dream. They have a prospect they want to drill, so they go out, they gather some partners, they raise some money, and they go out and drill it. Well, for the vast majority of your companies, that's the end of the story right there. They miss the well. They can't raise any more money. So eventually, they put the out-of-business out of sign in their front window. Well, a few of those companies are fortunate. They hit that well. 
and they found what we call job security. Their job is secure for essentially however long it takes them to develop that field. Might be a year, might be five years, might be 10 years. Well, while they're developing that field, they'll continue looking for another field where when they're done with the first development, they can leapfrog and go to the next one. Well, a successful oil man, 50, 60 years later, he looks back, he's discovered five, maybe 10 fields. He's made some good money. His partners have made some good money, but he has spent his entire career chasing oil. That doesn't mean that he's not good at what he does. It just means he was never able to discover enough oil to utilize that oil to acquire more oil. And so they had to produce everything they they find to keep that engine going. Sounds like a lot of small businesses across the country, doesn't it? It sure does. Main Street USA, there's no doubt about it. The only difference is it's out in the exploration fields. When you, yes, sir. Um, when you look now at all the uncertainty that Washington has injected into this industry, whether it's rising prices to drill on public lands, putting new regulatory uh, things, shutting down pipelines, what is happening at the employee level, at the employer level where your company operates? What is the long-term planning that these companies are making and what is its consequence to the everyday consumer? Well, th there's a couple of different factors that went into the picture that we saw. Uh, the first, you have to know a little about the oil industry in, in the sense, you know, prime example, back in 1960 when OPEC was created. The reason OPEC was created was to counter the seven sisters, your right. seven major companies that essentially controlled the market at that point. Well, for the last 60 years, that's been the rough power structure. Now, whether you like President Trump or not, what he did by increasing domestic production to the levels he did, he took some of that power. And in taking that power, they didn't like that. Yeah. And so what we saw happening is we saw Russia and Saudi Arabia pushing the price of oil down in a direct attack on the domestic oil and gas industry. Because when you look at prices for the last roughly 20 years, prices have averaged $60 a barrel. So most companies have built their world around that $60 price. Most likely they need about 50 to make any profit. And so when, when they push the price down to 40, maybe $45 a barrel, all of a sudden, all these American companies, those small ma and pa companies that we were talking about a minute ago, right. all of a sudden, now they're the ones that are being forced to handle this blow. Well, what happened is all of a sudden, Corona came along, and we thought an 18 to 24-month period was what it would take for them to push the prices down. All of a sudden, Corona came along and crunched that 18 to 24 months down into 30 days. Wow. And so... What you have happen, you have, take that Ma and Pa company. They've been working a field for 15, 20 years. They've made good money. Their partners have made good money. They put a couple million in the bank where they could retire right then and they're not, they're not going to have an issue. Well, all of a sudden, Corona happened. They lost their field hands. They lost their workers. And so now they're sitting here. They see the prices coming back, but they don't have any field hands. And so all of a sudden, they look and they say, hey, we got a couple million sitting in the bank. We can take that money, we can reinvest it in the field and hope that we can build back to where we were, or we can just sell it all, retire and walk away. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the danger of what you're seeing right now is a lot of these companies are basically just saying, the heck with it, we're done. Financially, we're secure. Let's just ride off into the sunset and let somebody else deal with this issue. Wow, now that leaves a, a generation of uncertainty ahead of us for energy exploration. We began 2021 as an energy independent nation with relatively low gas and oil prices. We're ending it as an energy dependent country with sharp 
the rising prices. Explain how this developing crisis is affecting companies like your own on the front lines and also the national security dangers of long-term foreign dependence on the likes of OPEC. Well, I mean, once again, there, there's a couple of different paths leading to one converging point. And when we look at where prices are going and how it's going to affect everybody, there's really three main things that we look at. The first is the supply and demand line. Right. When you look at it in 2014, or nah, in 2018, we produced worldwide about 95 million barrels a day. We were consuming 100 million barrels a day. So that left us at a 5 million barrel a day deficit at that point in time. Now that number is projected to be right at 11 million barrels a day. Well, if demand returns just nominally to where it was pre-pandemic, these numbers are being projected to be roughly 65 to 70 million barrels of oil a day by 2030. Well, so you look at the growing daily deficits of oil. Well, now you look at the other side of that. What is the supply side? Well, traditionally, oil and gas companies have invested heavily in upstream development to replace produced oil. And in 2014, we invested roughly 900 billion worldwide in upstream investment. That number is expected to be less than 300 billion this year. That's roughly a 65% drop in a seven year period. Well, if you have growing daily deficits and you're not making the adequate investment to replace produced oil, what kind of picture does that paint? Well, think of it this way. (laughs) If you produce 100 million barrels, and the demand is 170 million barrels a day, what do you think that's gonna do to prices? And and so now you look at, is there an alternative? Is there something to replace oil with? And as much as I believe every one of us has a little environmentalist in us, we want beautiful, clean environments. We want cheap energy. That's what everybody wants, but what we want doesn't match with what is. What is, is there is really nothing on the table to replace oil with. And, And so either as a country, we accept that, look, we are married to oil. Everybody is in the oil and gas business, whether you want to be or not. If you live in the modern world, you are a consumer of oil. And so if prices go up dramatically, the price in your life is going to go up dramatically as well. And I just pray that people realize that and we turn this ship around before it's too late. Yeah, that's such an important lesson. Our day, we are all in the oil business. We're all codependent on energy today. And that's one of the big learnings from today. I want to thank you so much for your time and for helping us understand what's been going on uh, in the energy scene. A big, very big help for all of us. Thank you very much, John. Thank you. Well, folks, that wraps things up for tonight's special. Many thanks to our partner, Panix Oil & Gas, for sponsoring tonight's event and to Real America's Voice for giving us this great platform to have a candid conversation about America's energy policies. As we've heard, America's energy industry is a complex ecosystem and not as simple as a choice between big oil and big green. There are tens of thousands of workers in the field in family-owned companies prospecting for tomorrow's energy resources who now face a lot of uncertainty. Petroleum is much more than an energy source. It is key to manufacturing and plastics. The price pressures at the pumps and your home heating field are real and have consequences. These are facts that are not going away, no matter the rhetoric in Washington. We here at Just the News and Real America's Voice are committed to getting you the facts and hope you've learned something valuable tonight from the conversation so that you can go to the dinner table, the water cooler, or maybe even the corporate boardroom and have a great conversation. And with that, we wish to wish you a very good night and ask that God bless you and this great country. Thanks for watching.
All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. It was fun for me to do and a great conversation. Special thanks to all the great guests we had and a special thanks for you listening. Yeah, on Christmas Eve, you took time to listen. And I want to thank you because you take time to read. You take time to subscribe to our subscription club. You do so much to support us. I sometimes feel like I'm floating on a cloud. I can't believe the love, the support, the readership that you give us, whether you're watching our videos, listening to our podcast. And so as we go into Christmas, as we go into the new year, no matter your faith, no matter your family, no matter your friends, I really ask that God bless you for all you've done to support Just the News. I am forever grateful, forever humble for your extraordinary graciousness to us, your support, your readership, putting your trust in our news and our reporting. And I'm also grateful for the incredible people that stand beside me in this newsroom every day. You hear from them. They're amazing. Thank you. Merry Christmas. God bless you. Happy New Year. May God bless your family abundantly in the year that is to come in 2022. Good night. Merry Christmas. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, expert politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.